The Dating Counselor Podcast Season 5 is brought to you by Bonded. Bonded is Utah's first permanent jeweler. It was created by two childhood best friends that wanted an exciting bonding experience, you know, like getting a friendship tattoo, but, you know, with less commitment. When they couldn't find a bonding experience like that, they created one, and they created it with permanent jewelry. Permanent jewelry is unique because it doesn't have a clasp, and it's custom fit to you. So it's bonded onto you with a spark or with a flame. I really love the beautiful jewelry that they offer. You can do chain jewelry, and they released recently their own exclusive bonded bangles. All of their jewelry is 14 karat gold or sterling silver, and it can be worn every day. I'm always talking with you guys about connection and bonded jewelry, I feel like is this really unique way to remind yourself of someone special that you're then bonded to, or maybe a significant life event or even a commitment that you've made. I really know that you're going to love bonded jewelry as much as you love the meaning behind it. Learn more about them on Instagram at Bonded Bracelets or head over to bondedbracelets.com to schedule your bonding experience. Welcome to the Dating Counselor Podcast. I'm so glad you're here. Today, you're going to tune in for episode three of Jill's Most Excellent Dating Adventure. I know you're excited. Let's go. As you may know, Jill is fortunate enough to work with an amazing group of coworkers. As a little surprise to her, they recorded a little bit of uh, back story. So you can hear a little bit of what it was like from their perspective in Jill's journey from before she started and what it was like during her journey, uh, as well as what they saw blossom and change in her. So I'm excited for you all to listen to her coworkers, Savvy, Dina, Matt, and Saray. Uh, share a little bit of their feelings on Jill's journey. Listen in. Jill and I share desks. We're right by each other. And so I get to hear kind of, you know, where she's at. And so before starting talking to you, Lonnie, she really wasn't dating at all. It wasn't really a priority in her life. And it wasn't something she was really interested in. Um, I mean, she loves to read. She would, I remember she'd like spend a whole weekend and finish a book, which is incredible. Um, but we all were like, Jill, you're a real catch, you know, like you would make somebody really happy and maybe, you know, go on a couple dates, you know? And so we were really, it was really cool to watch her start to kind of talk to you and get out of her comfort zone and have a little bit more experience in, in dating. When I first started working with her was, I remember one of the first things she said to me, she goes, yep, I'm going to work this job and then I'm going to move away because I don't have anything holding me back. I don't have, and that was kind of, that came up a few times. And so it's, you know, maybe she was actually okay with it, but you know, she is in the state of Utah, quote unquote old. And that's, <laughs> I feel like that's a terrible stigma and it's, it's, it needs to be normalized that, you know, everybody has their time mm -hmm. and meets their special person at you know, there's people meet their special someone at 50 or mm -hmm. 60. I mean, it's, there's no race, but I think that being in Utah and I know she's, she grew up here and everything. I think that that, that does do something to you mentally. That it's like, you know, something's wrong with me. I'm not married at 22. Super impressed. First of all, for Jill to put herself out there, she is a sweet girl and she truly is. I think everyone is saying it. She's a catch. She has so many talents and we love her. 
feel very emotionally invested at this point because in the beginning, I was the one that said, we're going to do Hinge. I feel like Hinge has some good quality guys and I want to help you in maybe vetting them out and doing some swiping. And I don't know why, but she said yes. I could help and I could do some of that swiping with her. I've had a few moments with Jill that I just want to share that, uh, you know, I've looked at her and I've seen her in the office and outside of the office. And I just think she is going to make somebody so happy someday and that she's going to enjoy life with somebody. And I know that right now we're in the beginning stages, but I just wanted to vouch the marriage is really awesome and finding your person that you really can enjoy life with and be a partnership, go through the hard and the good together with. And I'm just rooting for her. I know that seems a little bit scary right now, um, but there's a point to going through all of the challenges and learning and going through the growing pains um, because that is that is the goal and that's where you're kind of going is to, to establish a connection and somebody that you really can trust and learn with and I just think that Jill is going to make somebody so happy someday I I love her I'm grateful I get to work with her every day so we're rooting for you and I think her journey has been one of we're not sure how this is going to work out we don't know is she going to go on dates will she put herself out there and surprisingly she has She's shared with us her vulnerabilities some of her uncertainties and some of the wins and the loses I think that we do feel protective of her because we love her and we want this to be a really great experience in the end. And dating apps, sure, can be fun and funny and all those things, but at the same time, I mean, we want quality mm -hmm. for her. We want this to be a positive takeaway. We don't want there to be anything you know, less than for her and her experience. We don't want her just to be dating for, you know, something funny to happen on the air. I mean, we want her to legitimately open her heart, to grow, to enjoy this experience. And if she meets somebody that she truly connects with in the process, great. Mm -hmm. And if it takes, you know, however long it takes, no timeline. Uh, and for the most part, I think that it's gone well. There was a couple of times where she's like, you matched me with this person. I'm not feeling it. And I'm like, that is totally fine. This is your thing. So go ahead and unmatch. No big deal. But it's been really fun. I think what I've noticed with her dating journey, I've noticed an attitude shift. Mm -hmm. And not necessarily she had a bad attitude before, but I think it's just more if she has more of a hopeful mindset now. Favorite part about everything is when she'll say the yays or nays on somebody and I usually am just sitting back kind of just observing listening to everybody else and I she knows that if I speak up I think at this point <laughs> then it must be something to speak up worthy because you know it's like oh so and so didn't even remember this and I'll be like yeah you can ax him he's done <laughs> usually it's just all in fun because you know maybe she really did like the person but there's a few things that she's brought up over time you know with different different guys that she's dated I'm just like if they can't do that, nah, next. I mean, we always will rush into the office early in the morning to get all of the details. Uh, we have Jill send us an emoji to sum up her date the night before, and so it always kind of leaves us hanging, and it's a cliffhanger to hear the whole story the next day. Um, so we've we've received a variety of different, you know, emojis. So one was kind of a snooze emoji, and then there's others that are like fireworks and celebrating, you know, and kiss, oh, kiss yeah. emojis. And sometimes over the weekend, it's the worst because we have so long until we get in, and so we're always rushing to get in. But, um, and then she kind of tells us, you know, about her weekend and how she's feeling, and it's been really cool to hear her experiences and what she's learning about not only, you know, the people she's dating, but about herself. Mm -hmm. She's like, I didn't know that I liked that, or I 
I, you know, I'm kind of drawn to this and I didn't think that I would. And, and then to just hear as things have progressed, kind of how things have gone and how she's opening up a little bit more. She's getting a little bit nervous. Um, but we really are just cheering her on. We love her so much. We believe she's a catch. And so every morning we're just there to, you know, be cheerleaders. I just want her to know how, like, proud I am of her because I know that it's really nerve-wracking, especially when you're kind of out of the groove and not really, you know, used to being vulnerable and getting out of your comfort zone. And she's gone on a lot of first dates. And I think that's the scariest part. And so I just am really proud of her. I feel like she's grown a ton. And I think the whole goal, she didn't really know what she wanted to get out of this. Um, but I think looking back, it's she's grown so much. And it's been such a good experience. And I'm just grateful to have been a little part of the process of just cheering her on and rooting for her. And um, I know that these are you know tools that she'll take into the future. So thank you for all oh, that you've done. You. And we all learned so much for, from you. So thank you. Yeah. Go Jilly, I yes. love you. Um, it's been incredible though to watch her flourish with putting herself out there. And we have to shout her out, Jill, for being so brave. I mean, not just anybody would be willing to share their dating journey on TV or on your podcasts or on social media. This is a private thing she's doing very publicly and we think she's a rock star for it. Mm -hmm. Be brave, you can do it, you can put yourself out there. But I also feel like your guidance has helped a lot to get her out of her own head and to let her be brave. And I mean, Jill's always been the cutest girl. We love her so much, but she has just been glowing up and up and up in all ways. Like it's shining out from the inside because I think she's growing in her confidence. I think she is learning to expand her horizons and her heart. And it's really a beautiful thing to watch. And we just love her and we want the best for her. I'll let some of the other, we love you, Jill. Smile at the People is a nonprofit organization that does exactly what their name says. Smile at the People. Their goal is simple to spread joy and light. The business was started by two cousins who wanted to carry on their grandma's legacy after she passed. Smile at the People is the phrase she told her family their entire lives, and it's a phrase that she lived. She made friends with anyone who ever crossed her path and always had a seat at her table for everyone who needed it. She decided to put her lifelong phrase on a sweatshirt for the family members and quickly realized more than just family loved the message and they wanted to represent it and live it. The apparel itself spreads positivity and happiness to those wearing it and to those reading it across someone's chest. Even more, profits are donated to those nominated to receive extra smiles. Everything from groceries and gas cards to bird feeders and memorial benches. You can be part of this positive movement by visiting their website, smileatthepeople.org, by following along on Instagram at smileatthepeopleLLC, and on Facebook as well at smileatthepeople. Okay, I'm here with Jill, and I think we should start with some good news. What's the good news, dear? I am dating somebody. Are you dating somebody? I am. Is his name Ted? His name is Ted. That is so exciting. <laughs> yeah, it's been good so far. It's just been, like, I don't know, stressful, because relationships and dating is apparently stressful. It's a new world, isn't it, dear? <laughs> it's a new space to be in, and I just want to just, like, take a moment and honor your bravery. First of all, again, for sharing your story and being public and letting everybody kind of listen in, but then also just being brave to take the leap and say, like, I'm going to have faith in myself and him and we're going to go for it. 
it takes a lot of courage. And I'm just so proud of you. <laughs> Thanks. <laughs> just like, let's spend some time chatting about your journey. Like looking through last October, it's been this beautiful journey. What are some of the highlights as you look back? Well, first of all, if you had told me back like even August of last year, September of last year, I would not have even guessed I'd be in this position at this point. Um, but starting this journey was a little surreal, if you will. You know, didn't date a lot. And to go on, oh, I don't even know how many dates now, but to have met so many different guys and seen what I do like and what I don't like and how I would like to be treated and how I should be treating the fellas. It's been an all-around good experience because, you know, if you're not growing in life, then life is boring. Yeah, definitely you've, you've put yourself through a growth gauntlet. You've just done a massive amount of growth, and you did get an opportunity to go out with a lot of different types of personalities. Um, as you were going through that and learning kind of this, like, what's good for me, what's not good for me, uh, what did that feel like to It felt good just because I am somebody who is very, very indecisive. And for my line of work, that's not really um trait you want in somebody that I and for what I do. But it's nice to have some things locked down and know how I want to be treated. What I look for in somebody to date and just like an all around time because it's stressful, I want to just make sure that there's some fun in there too. Life is going to be really stressful. And hopefully when you go out on dates and you're dating someone, it's going to bring some fun. It'll be stressful too. Tell us about that, like this work-life balance. I mean, part of the reason that you weren't dating before was because you do have a very demanding job. So what was that like? It was tricky. There were times where I was grateful when plans got canceled because I'm like, that's good because I need to finish up the work that I do have, but also it was nice to have boundaries essentially for my job because then it was uh, when I left the building, I would leave work at work and then go home and get ready for a date and then have that be my main focus instead of being like, oh, I need to finish this thing or I need to do this at work. And you feel like the boundaries weren't as solid before? Yeah. I feel like I was working a lot and I still work a lot but I feel like I've done a lot better in moving boundaries around and having a better work-life balance. I'm so proud of you because that's one of those journeys that you needed to go on. And sometimes with dating, I think people blame their busy life on their lifestyle with their work. And sometimes it's self-created. Granted, there are weeks and, and moments and things where it is, it is a lot to, to do, but Sometimes it's self-created because there's fear behind the unknown of dating. Um, as you tolerated the unknown, the uncertainty through these last few months, uh, you mentioned several times, uh, you, you know, as you as we were recalling these previous episodes, that you noticed your anxious attachment style activating. Talk to us a little bit about that. What did you learn? Um, because it was brought to my attention, then I like could then realize and give it a name, essentially. Being like, instead of just calling it, oh, I'm just overthinking it. It's like, no, like this is because of your attachment style, which was nice because then I could try to work past that barrier and just try to feel out the situation for what it was and try to put myself in their shoes 
and try to understand more about why things were happening the way they were happening. Um, but something that I did learn is like, if you want it to happen, you'll make it happen. Um, and it's spent uh, more of a choice than just a reaction. Exactly. And so I learned that a lot with like, um, going on dates with different fellas. Um, there were men who were like, well, I want to see you. So let's make a day for it. And then there was other guys who were just like chatting with me the whole time. And I'm just like, so where's this going? Kind of a deal. Um, but it's like, if, if I want to see you, I will make time to see you, especially within my busy schedule. So I feel like with going back to the anxious attachment style, it's it's easy for me to just blow things out of proportion in my mind. So I have to like talk to people about it. Um, not necessarily the guy I've been going on dates with or anything like that. It's more like coworkers or family or friends um, just so that I can process what happened and then also try to figure out where I'm at and like how things are actually going to be okay. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's a, it's a whole different journey when you kind of learn your triggers through dating and then you realize what you're bringing to it and how to work through it. And I think that goes back to that brave thing. Like you, you just, you really have to be brave to be able to face yourself and see what you're doing. Um, as Taylor Swift says, that's me. Hi, <laughs> I'm the problem, right? <laughs> That can be one of those beautiful and terrible journeys in yeah. life. Seriously, though. <laughs> so can you give us a little bit of the story of how you guys transitioned from dating to being exclusive and what that was like for you? So... To be honest, it was a little confusing for me personally. Um, There were moments where I was still dating other people and he would ask, like, are you okay still dating other people? And I was like, well, yeah, because that's what I'm doing. Um, But in your heart, you. But I was leaning towards him specifically for going on dates with only him. I wasn't like super set on getting into a serious relationship like if it happened it happened but if it didn't that's fine too um especially since like the way things happened it was so quick with like stopping my dates with other people and then getting into that relationship that was just like wait a second (laughs) I didn't mean for that to happen like that didn't have to happen like that I was open to it but it wasn't like it's this or I'm done I saw the writing on the wall back before Thanksgiving Mm mm-hmm and I could hear it in your voice. I could hear it in your questions. I mean, it was just like so obvious to me and so obvious to me that I shouldn't say anything. Yeah. <laughs> because I'm like, she needs her journey. <laughs> she needs her space. But it was challenging to see you kind of go through this a little bit of denial. Like, I I think this is what I'm feeling. But you're at this battle between your head and your heart going like, Everything has to line up. Everything has to be in sync. And sometimes that's just what it feels like when it's you're transitioning. It's just like, I don't have to know everything and I still have to move forward. And so moving into that space, it's tricky. Yeah. I mean, that goes back to my very indecisive personality. And it's like, I don't know if that's what I want, but I also maybe want it. But I also don't think that's what I want. But you don't want it to stop. That's what the tell is. Yeah. When people are indecisive, the, the question isn't like, let's weigh pros and cons. Let's do this or that. It's just, do you want it to stop? Mm-hmm. 
And the answer was always no. Yeah. And we got to a point where we said that in text messages. It's like, are you, where are you at? And I said, I don't, I'm not ready for this to end. And he said, I'm not either. Yeah. But we were still, I was still dating other people. And his words in person were very confusing to me. And so. nervous. (laughs) Probably he was a little nervous. And so after the fact, when we became exclusive, I asked him, so I was like, so what was that all about? Something like that. And he was just like, well, figured Jill is sitting there waiting. And I was like, in my head, I'm like, I am not waiting. (laughs) I'm just here for the ride. Like, I'm not set to get into a relationship. Like, if it happens, that's fine. I think waiting is a trigger word for you. It's (laughs) if you were just, like, waiting for him to, like, pick you. Ew. Yeah. No, I don't think that's what he meant. I don't think it is either. But I think he was just more like, I think that Jill needs for me to step up. (laughs) I mean, we had, I'm going to call it a come to Jesus moment in our text messages a couple of weeks ago. And I think that's what really kind of triggered things to grow between us instead of go kaput. Do you want to share? I mean, (laughs) um, I love come to Jesus is like. (laughs) Like nobody's business. Yeah. I love them. Therapists well, are come to Jesus junkies. <laughs> <laughs> um, we just got to a point after the holidays where things were just crazy with both of our families that he was just like, I hope I'm not messing up. And I told him um, my love language is quality time and I'm not getting that. So it's very hard for me to feel attached or have a connection right now. And so he's like, I'm sorry, I'll do better. And ever since then, he's been doing better. Which I appreciate a man who holds up to his word. Right. Well, and someone that actually cares to say something like, what do you need? And then you have to be able to say what you need. Mm -hmm. Uh, There's there's moments in in relationships where we want our partner to read our minds. Mm -hmm. We want them to be on the exact same page and space that we are. And when they're not, it can feel really frustrating and we can create a lot of meaning surrounding that. And in reality, we can just kind of go into that space that you have learned to do, which is just tolerating some discomfort for a period of time until you can find the relief that you need through the conversation and connection and kind of getting back on the same page. It's just the intention to communicate versus the intention to mislead or be confusing. Mm-hmm. And I think you've found a partner who's a really good communicator. And I've, I've been a really big fan of a lot of the guys that you've gone out with. Mm-hmm. I think that there's just a lot. I hope everyone can hear this. There are a lot of good men mm-hmm. in our geographic region. Yeah. <laughs> and I really want them to feel like proud of themselves in, in the effort that they that they put forward in, in coming on dates with you and getting to know you because I just I think they were all really exceptional guys. Um he stood out to me though. He stood out to me from the beginning. Um there's a way that he puts you at ease and also gives you angst. And I was like, there's the magic. <laughs> <laughs> and it's stressing me out. <laughs> I know, right? Yeah. But that's the that's the journey is just getting to repair and bringing things forward in your relationship and talking about things and the intention to show up for each other in, in the long haul, not necessarily in every single moment because life can't always bring that. Mm-hmm. So what what would you say? What would you say to the listeners out here? These beautiful single men and women 
who are struggling this uncertainty phase, they're just, they're not getting out of it. They're just on the continuous first date loop. First date loop. Honestly, I'd say to have some patience with it. I know it's stressful and sticky and hard, but it's like, it can be so rewarding. Um, But if you're stuck in a rut with just first dates, I would say um, take yourself on a date. See what you like, see what you don't like, and then figure out some hobbies too. And so that you have stuff you want to do with other people, and then you can take those people out on dates to those hobbies. Um, But then also, you know what? Take a leap, jump, just give it a shot. Because, I mean, I was in no place to even start dating. I mean, I could have been. And, you know, you just have to make time for it. And that's what I, that was the mindset I had to shift was I was all work and like, then rest. (laughs) But now I have work, play and rest. So it's a tricky situation is what I like to say. But um, I hope you find your person that you like to hang out with. They will, they will. Yeah. They will. Uh, One more question for me. There's a lot of things that we went through, talked about attachment styles, hallmarks of trust, mm-hmm. you know, secure communication, um, building. You know, I, I know that there's probably um, a lot of this you knew. A lot of this is just inside of you. It's just intuitive. Um, were there any pieces of information that you maybe clung to that really helped this time with dating versus before? Uh, yeah. It was that stair step of the relationship status, essentially, where it's like you start out as a stranger. Do you want them to be an acquaintance? Not, you're going on a first date, this is who you have to marry situation. This is a, you're going on a first date to get to know them. And it's okay if things don't work out between them. Like, it's not the end of the world. There's always going to be somebody else. Um, So I feel like, that really took pressure out of my mind to be more open and like ready to have a conversation instead of just like, they have to like me, they have to like me. Situation. Right. Or I have to like them. I have to like them. Yeah. Right. Like there's a, that, that pressure that you put on yourself uh, can really amplify the anxiety that you feel mm-hmm. on the date. And I just, I want to just say like those stages still exist now, you know, you're, friend, close friend, confidant, like you're working on the the kinks that come with building and it's just time, experience and vulnerability and the the kinks are still going to show up and they're also going to find relief and find a lot of joy. So as you find yourself feeling like, oh my gosh, why aren't we at the best parts of blah, blah, blah? Well, it's just always going to take time and the more relationships that you work on in your life with friendships or other things, you'll notice the same thing that you will in a romantic relationship. Like as you put your heart in and you show up and you just try to give them unconditional positive regard, help me understand statements, things like that. And they do the same for you. Then your journey is going to reveal to you like we're a good fit for each other. Let's move forward or we're not. And you'll both feel comfortable. Okay, we need to talk about Bill. Bill showed up really well. He showed up 
in, in this relationship uh, process just with his heart. And uh, was a contender. He, you know, he really showed up. He um, was out there to win your heart. Tell us a little bit about what happened and the journey with him. Um, yeah, Bill was surprisingly um, a pretty big contender to for in this dating process. I honestly was surprised by him. Um, our first date wasn't on the best of days for me personally. Um, had some family stuff that I was out of town for, but then came back in town and we went on a date. And that's how um, he does not know about the morning I had. <laughs> I did not tell him because I didn't feel like that was a good first date kind of topic. Um, but, Do you mean like the high I was at a funeral today? Yeah. Yeah. Hi, that's a hard a day. Yeah. It was it was a hard day. Um, but he was just so easy to talk to and like fun to be around that it just like ended the day on a on a happy note, you know? Um, so with the dates with him, it was just, there were fun moments and he was ready to do activities and experience stuff. And I love experiencing new things. Um, it was he like, planned good dates. He planned really good dates. Um, and he was a really good listener. And like one of the best moments that I will always remember is he cooked dinner for me one night and because I cannot have dairy, he went to the store and bought dairy-free sour cream because it was a part of the recipe and he made it so it was a dairy-free dish. And it was so sweet. And I just like, I mean, I didn't think acts of service was like a good, not a good, but like one of my love languages, but like having that happen was just so kind and it was just like so like it impressed like well yeah he sees you for who you are and he sees that he doesn't want you to feel like you can't enjoy what he's making plus a guy that cooks hello yeah but it's just the fact that he like remembered that and like went out of his way to like make it work for me essentially that was just it still gets me every time um but he was just so fun to be around but then there was just always in the back of my head, it was just like, well, what's Ted doing, you know? Um, and so I had to uh, come to a point where it was just like, I don't think I should be going on any more dates with Bill. Um, and so I feel like it, I feel so bad still. Like I'm, I'm very aware of people's like feelings in this kind of situation. Um, and I was just terrified to end things because I knew it wouldn't like he took it very well and he's so generous and whatnot. Um, but it how did just, you do it? What was the process? What did you do? Um, well, I was a little, um, <laughs> um, what's the word peer pressured. That's the word into texting him to end things. And it, <laughs> and it wasn't the best idea. But it was like... I feel like I want to kind of like <laughs> tell that story a tiny bit from my perspective. Okay. So I get a Marco Polo from her and she's like, I need to end things with Bill and I don't know the best way to do that. Could you give me some advice? And so I sent her what I felt like was excellent, excellent advice. Beautiful points. Very fluid, very relevant. And pretty quickly. But the next Marco Polo I got was... Well, I sent him a text and I was like, oh, dearness. <laughs> but 
there is some storyline behind there because with Jill's indecision, there's something that goes on with her where she kind of like volleys the points back and forth so much that she can get sick. She can feel so much stress that she can't like do lots of the other things. And I think that her colleagues were noticing the level of distress that she was in. And sometimes when someone's in that high level of distress, doing the first line, which would be like, please have a face-to-face conversation, becomes really impossible. Mm -hmm. And you just need to carpe diem and do it. But you tell me, what's your perspective? Um, No, that's definitely what it was. Um, There was also a point um, a couple dates prior to this where he was like, so how do you think things are going? And that was my out. And I should have taken it. But I didn't because I chickened out. Why? Because I am not good with conversations in person like this. And they are not confrontational, but they are, let's call them big conversations. Like, not small talk, not getting to know you. It's like, this is a decision I've made, but I'm terrified to know the outcome of it, if you will. Um, Because we did have a conversation one night at dinner where he's like, if, like, a girl's not interested, just like tell me and I'll be fine with it. And I'll say, hey, have a great life. Like, I wish you the best situation, but I'm still. So always... he could read it, it seems like. Yeah, but that was like our second date that he said that. And so I was like, okay, that's good to know. And then it was probably, I don't know, after the fourth or fifth date, I don't know how many it was. Um, That's when he was like, so how do you think things are going? And that's when I'm like, I should tell you face to face right now. I don't think. I am interested in you as a romantic partner. Um, And I just didn't take it. And lo and behold, when I go back to work, like I give the updates to everyone here at work and I, they always be like, Jill, what are you doing? And I'm like, I'm a chicken. That's what I'm doing. Just, I take the easy way out, honestly. And so that's why I sent the text because the text was the easiest way out to at least start that conversation so that I could at least make sure it got done. And then we did have a phone call after that text message. So at least we had um, a phone call, not face-to-face, but like a phone call conversation to end things just so that he hopefully got the closure he needed. Because it was for him like out of the blue, but I had been thinking it for weeks and I just finally act on it. So, yeah, I, and I appreciate you sharing that. And just to just to highlight, you know, when you know that someone's not the right fit for you, when is the time that you say it? Well, the time that you say it is when you know, and as soon as you can have a face to face conversation with them by letting them know that it's not a romantic fit. It's not necessarily that they're a bad person or that you're terrible together, mm-hmm. but sometimes the the way that we open up with a romantic partner and are vulnerable with them uh, creates like more sexual tension, more chemistry and things like that, or it doesn't. And those are parts of those, you know, individual intuition that can't be replicated just with every single person. So I hope that, that uh, Bill knows for me, I think he's super great. And I think he's he's super solid. So great. And just because I felt like I knew early on that Ted was in, Bill wasn't even introduced into the picture yet. Um, but you know, if you want to get set up with Bill, send me a DM. Maybe we'll see if he's interested in getting set up. If he started dating someone, which I wouldn't be surprised because he's such a catch. Mm-hmm. And just one more thing, like 
to have a hard conversation like that, there's never a good time. So you just kind of got to bite the bullet. Just do it as gently as you can. And both of you coming to the conclusion that you're not a good fit for each other will hopefully allow you to let each other go well. And it sounds like that's what happened. Yeah, definitely. As this episode wraps and I find myself uh, sitting and pondering what it's been like for me to be on this journey with Jill since last fall, uh, I get a little emotional because I'm just so proud of her. Um, I sense the growth that she's had, but also um, I think I just overall feel this sense of like, it's just an honor to be a part of someone's journey. Um, I don't really know how I got so lucky to have this job, but I am so thankful that I do. Um, when I met her, there was a energy about her that I was just like, oh, I would really love to help her see how awesome she is. And for whatever reason, I was fortunate enough to be able to do that. And I hope that someday those of you in the world that would like to get to meet her because she truly is just a chill, sweet kind, genuine person. Um, she just doesn't have a malicious bone. Um, she's always willing to bend over backwards for somebody else and give people the benefit of the doubt. And she just looks at life as an opportunity for growth. And I, I'm just, I'm really impressed by that in people. And I'm really grateful to her. Um, and I hope obviously that we can continue to get to spend time together and I can help her if she needs it along the way. Um, I also really want to meet Ted. So hopefully, you know, Ted, this is a shout out, like, call me, let's hang out. <laughs> um, the other thing I guess I want to say is, um, what, what a difference it makes to have a positive community supporting you when you're dating. There's a lot of stress in the communities that you're in when you're single. If people are negative or saying, you know, well, you're single because X, Y, Z, or if you would do this, 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 then you wouldn't be single. And it's as though it's like an epidemic or some kind of a disease. And rather than just a station in life, a situation that you happen to find yourself in. And I hope that you will only choose partners to be with because they enhance your life, not because you feel like time is running out. Uh, Jill was really blessed to have a lot of really good coworkers and people that cheered her on throughout her journey and just really showed up for her in a way that said like, we believe in you and you can do hard things. And when that anxiety showed up and, you know, she was feeling a little bit dissonant and not really sure what to do and how to manage it, they stepped in and they were supportive of her uh, and didn't tell her to just get over herself and that it wasn't real. Uh, so I guess that's maybe my last thought here is anxiety is real. Relationship anxiety is real and it can really get in the way of you believing in yourself because when that, when you feel that you think, you know, that's how it's going to be. And I don't want to work through that. So I'm not going to expose myself to dating because it will just keep me feeling balanced. And there is a lot of hope out there. You can work through it and you can find yourself in situations where you can be with partners that you truly want to be with and that you can find that there are good, good people in the world that would like to be in a relationship. So I hope that you can see them. I hope that they can see you and that this, uh, 
little journey of Jill's most excellent dating adventure has brought you some entertainment, some education, and some hope and positivity. Thanks so much for joining us today. Thank you so much for tuning into this episode of the Dating Counselor Podcast. I'm Lonnie Harmon, and I am a licensed clinical social worker. I'm on a mission to help singles navigate the modern dating world. You can learn more about my course, Foundations for Modern Dating, at thedatingcounselor.com slash courses. You can find me on Instagram, TikTok, or Facebook at The Dating Counselor, or email me at Lonnie, L-O-N-I, at thedatingcounselor.com. You'll find a full list of everything mentioned in this episode in the show notes at thedatingcounselor.com slash podcast. If you have a friend who would enjoy this episode, I would love if you pass it along. And don't forget to follow or subscribe to this podcast so that you don't miss out on any of the upcoming episodes. Thank you again for tuning in. See you soon.